thank you so much for being a great mom. And we just, I just want you to know that here at Our Savior's Church, we love moms. And we believe in the power of moms. And we believe that moms are the most important. Especially for me, because I was raised by my mom and by my grandmother, two of the toughest women I knew. They could love you and melt you in a pot and at the, in the next second beat the cheese out of you <laughs> in a heartbeat, right? I had one of the greatest moms, and she was a tremendous blessing to me, and there will always be a special place in my heart for mom. So we understand that at times you're underappreciated, right? At times you're underpaid. Can I get it? Mama, you can say amen this morning. Anything sounds good, you just say amen, and maybe your husband will get a clue. All right? Maybe. Don't count on it, but maybe. And we also know that you're overworked. Being a mom is a job that I did not apply for, and I will not apply for. <laughs> Are you hearing me? I mean, I can take the kids. I took the kids this week, I mean, this year for, for seven days. I had two of them for seven days. Now, thank God my kids were older. Okay, they could go to the bathroom themselves, fix their own food, dress themselves for the most part. And, and those, so it wasn't too bad, but I couldn't be a mom. I admire you. I think you're great, but I'm glad that you're the mom and I'm not. And the kids are probably glad too. So let me give you a few stats this morning for you moms that may be new moms or moms of preschoolers. Diaper changes. You're going to do 7,300 diaper changes by the time the baby's second birthday rolls around. 7,300. Man, that's a lot of diapers. You know what's funny is that I thought when we got out, when we got our kids out of diapers, we would save all this money, right? Diapers is like a plug, right? You take the diaper off, they eat more, right? Diaper change speed for a typical mom is two minutes and five seconds. That adds up to about three 40-hour work weeks each year. You spend three 40-hour work weeks each year changing diapers. That's 10 hours a day for four days straight. Wow. When it comes to giving attention, a preschooler requires mom's attention once every four minutes or 210 times per day. And you wonder why you're tired. When it comes to laundry, 88% of, of laundry is done by moms, totaling to 330 loads of laundry and 5,300 articles of clothing each year. That's a lot of laundry. So men, don't trail off on me now. Today's not just about moms. Today's also going to be about you and something that you can pick up and some principles you can get from this. Amen. So men, pay attention. Don't just, don't just dive out on me and, and, ch and clock out and just start thinking about hunting or fishing or anything like that or what you're going to eat for lunch because there's something you can learn today. So this morning's title, the title of this morning's message is called The Trade. And I want to show you three trades I believe every mom should make in their life. Mama, you're going to have to trade some things. Some of you already know these. Some of you older moms, you already know this. You've been down this road. But maybe for some of you, who are younger or just haven't caught this yet, maybe this will be a good lesson. The first trade is that moms must make is a trade up. You need to trade up. You need to trade your objective for God's perspective. Come on. 
You need to trade your objective for God's perspective. You need to trade the, the object of this child or these children, and you can't let your life get so revolved around these children without having God's perspective. Right? I, I know when we had kids, we, we kind of went the old school way. If they mess up, you whip them, right? That we didn't believe in timeout. Some of you believe in timeout. We're not going to get into that debate right now. My belief in the timeout was that you got time for your butt to heal, <laughs> right? I mean, from a very young age, when our kids, the first time they ever threw themselves on the floor was the last time. Are you hearing me? That's kind of the way we were raised. I mean, we were old school habits. But after, it seemed like after we had kids, there came all these new techniques to raising kids. Right? I mean, you, you put them in time out. You say, let's not use negative words. Let's check our attitude. Right? All, all these weird things. I mean, they, they don't feed them good stuff no more. I mean, it's just like we came up, they made baby food at the house. Right? I mean, I went from the bottle to Cheerios <laughs> in a matter of minutes. Maybe not, but but things are different. And so you, you maybe you come up with these all, and, and you've gotten so wrapped up in these techniques on how to raise your kids that you've lost perspective of what God wants you to do with your kids. Right? Because you can have all the techniques in the world and totally miss what God has for you. You need to trade your objective for God's perspective. God wants you to see what really matters as moms. And so let's look at what God says the responsibility of a mom is. In Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verse 5 to 7, watch this. It says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk, around, walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. So first of all, you have to be, as a mom, you need to be loving the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With all your strength, come on, and with all your soul. You have to be doing that first. And then he says you need to carry those things with you, and then you need to teach them to your kids. It actually says to impress. That means to push upon your kids. When I say we came up the old way, we believe in brainwashing our kids. We don't tiptoe around the truth. Are you hearing me? We tell our kids, you just messed up. You're getting a whipping because of this. Right? Because we're constantly trying to impress on them. We're pushing on them. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? So we need to impress on our kids to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He, he actually goes into detail and he says to talk about it them, talk about them when you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, you need to constantly be training your kids, impressing upon them. That is your most important role as a mom. Do you realize as a mom, you get the chance to show your kids the tenderness and the grace and the mercy of God? See, I can't do that. I don't think tenderness even lives inside of me. I mean, but my wife can. 
I'm like, kill him. And she's like, no, Dad. Anyway, y'all better thank God for your mom. Mom, your, your primary perspective should be to show your children the ways of the Lord. Amen? We pray for our kids every night. Every night we go to their bedroom and we, we kneel down, lay down, whatever it is. We talk and we pray for them. I was so excited the other day. My, my two girls were actually in their bedroom having a devotional. And we didn't ordain it. We didn't schedule it. They got a new Bible, and they wanted to go sit down, and so they've been having devotionals. I'm like, hey, this is good. Those early days and that hard work in those early days and that impressing upon them is starting to pay off. I'm glad I'm picking on your good children. I forgot about that. <laughs> we need to have God's perspective. In other words, we need to see how God sees it, right? God has given me a word for each one of my kids. A specific, detailed word for each one of my kids. It was a word about how they were made, how they're taught, how they learn, and how they feel. And man, that, that was like God's good-hearted way of saying, son, you need some help, so I'm going to help you. Right? Let me show you an example of perspective from the story of Elijah. You remember the story of Elijah whenever he was, he was sleeping and he had this servant. Elijah was a man of God. And he had this servant, Elijah's sleeping. The servant wakes up, he looks out the window, and he sees the enemy surrounding his house. And the servant just freaks out, starts running, Elijah, the enemy's coming! And you know how it is when you wake up and somebody's screaming, right? First you want to hit them. At least I do. And so Elijah wakes up and he prays. He says, Lord, I pray that you help him to see like I see. Better yet, Lord, I pray you help him to see like you see. And as soon as Elijah prayed that, the Bible says the scales fell from his servant's eyes. He looked out the window, and what he didn't see the first time, he saw the second time, was a host of angels surrounding the enemy. Did you get this? The servant got God's perspective, and he was able to see God's way. And as a mom... It's important that you see God's way. As a dad, it's important that you see God's way. Right? So we need to trade up. We need to trade our objective for God's perspective. The second thing we need to do is trade off. Moms, you need to trade off your activities for God's priorities. It's easy to get busy these days, right? I said it's easy to get busy these days, right? I mean, listen, if you're not busy, just sign your kids up for baseball. Seriously. I mean, I love baseball, okay? And I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with baseball, and I'm not trying to preach some religious mes message against baseball. But I'll be honest with you, baseball is becoming demonic. I mean, they got you on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and every day in between, Right? I remember it was before we moved, Ethan made, he, Ethan was playing baseball. He would, was previously doing karate, and we kind of tried to manage the kids because they all wanted to do something. We had the girls in dance. We had Ethan in karate, and then he wanted to play baseball. So he was like, bud, you're going to have to give up one for the other because karate was three days a week, and baseball was this, and all this other stuff. So he goes into baseball, and, and somehow or another, he makes all-stars. 
That's the one time in life you hope your kids aren't that good. You're like, Lord, just help them to mess up on the last game and change that coach's mind. And so the coach comes up to me and he goes, he goes, I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking about putting Ethan in all-star. I'm like, oh, man. I said, well, let me tell you straightforward before you make your decision. We're, we're church-going folks. We love to go to church. He ain't playing baseball on Sunday unless it's after church. I guess he thought I was joking. That's no problem. So here comes the first tournament. Sunday. Hey, Coach, Ethan's not going to be there. Oh, what do you mean? This is all-star. So he's going to church. We go to church, Coach. And so he hated it, but he had to miss it, right? So you need to trade your activities for God's priorities. You know, we live in this big technical world now where you got all these opportunities to talk to people all day long. You can, you can Facebook them. You can whatever else you do, tweet them. And I ain't going to say it. You can do all these other things, and you can get so active with your life, right? Because, moms, you get tired sometimes, don't you? And you want to stay connected, don't you? And it's important to stay connected because you don't want to end up talking to the dog or, or getting the telemarketer to hang up on you, right? But you gotta, you got to be careful because your activities can get in the way of your priorities. Come on. Your number one priority is what? That was a question. What? Your relationship with God. We say it all the time around here. You ought to know it. It ought to be burned into your brain. Your number one priority is your relationship with God. Your number two priority is your relationship with your spouse. Your number three priority is your relationship with your kids. I can't tell you where sports and activities come. Are you hearing me? That's your number one relationship. That, that's your number one priority is your relationship with God. We let our activities dictate our priorities as opposed to letting our priorities dictate our activities. Can I get an amen? We let our activities drive our life instead of our priorities drive our life. Right? Because we all want to make our kids happy, don't we? Come on, seriously, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to make my, I want my kids to be happy. I want to be happy, happy, happy. All the time. But you know what? When they're always happy... It's funny that mom and dad's usually not happy, right? The kids are loving like, oh, we live the best life in the world. And mom and dad's like, oh, God, I can't take it no more, right? Can I tell you that's out of order? That's out of balance? You got something mixed up? And so what are you doing? You're training your kids to just be concerned about being happy. So when they become adults, all they want to do is what? Be happy. I love activities. But I understand the value of priorities. So we must ask ourselves a question. What should I be involved in every day to draw my kids closer to God? What should you be doing to get your kids closer to God? What are the activities you need to be doing to get your kids closer to God? In order to trade off, we need to, number one, line up. You need to line up what you're doing. You need to get your life lined up with the priorities of God. Amen? 
In other words, you need to see this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the line I'm supposed to have. My number one priority is my relationship with God. My number two priority is my relationship with my spouse. My number three priority is my relationship with my kids. Right? Because too many times the wife hangs up the wife jersey to put on the mom jersey. Right? Come on, it's easy to do. You put on the mom jersey and then you forget about the wife jersey. Right? Men do the same thing. It's usually with business or hunting. Nobody said amen. I don't blame you. But if we're not careful, when the kids leave the house, we've lost the wife jersey. Or you have. I haven't. Right? I'm afraid that there's so many parents today, when their kids move out, they're not going to know what to do with each other. We constantly remind our kids who's who's before they are. My kids act crazy. You can ask Virginia. Yo, I tell them this. This is one of my famous statements. Your mama was here before you were. And she will be here after you are. <laughs> yep, that's the truth. She's my wife before she's your mama. Amen. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his, king, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You need to seek first God's kingdom. That's how you line up your life. Number two, you've got to eliminate things that are in the way. So you're going to have to ask yourself some questions. Is this going to draw my family closer to God, or is it just going to exhaust us and be for nothing? Because we do a lot of things for nothing. Right? I mean, when we go hunting, men, we, we make the excuse, well, I got to put some meat in the freezer. You don't need no meat in the freezer, and in all reality, it's costing you more to go deer hunting than it is to go to the grocery store. I'm sorry I said it, but I just had to. Right? But we make excuses for things that we don't want to eliminate. Is there too much stuff? Do my kids need to play two sports at the same time during the summer? Do we need to attend all three birthday parties this weekend? Come on, man. That's a good place to say amen. Do any of these activities add stress or relieve stress from my life? How much quality time are we spending as a family? And I'm picking on baseball today, but it's just because baseball's going on right now, but you can't call quality time sitting in the bleachers, screaming at your kids, and thinking that you're having a good husband-wife relationship, right? You can't settle nothing at the ballpark, right? That's not quality time. It's also hard to say no, isn't it, right? It's hard to say no to things. It's hard to say no to your kids. We're teaching our youngest one a very valuable lesson right now, and the it's this. It's that when we say no the first time, that means it's going to be no for 100 more times. The only difference is now is that when you say no, when you ask again and we have to say no the second time, it may come with a whipping. Because we're just getting tired of saying no. We're like, no, we're not going to Candyland. And three seconds, so we're going to go to Candyland? No, we're not going to. 
Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. No. Daddy can't go to Candyland. Right? So let's, let's do a little practice this morning. Okay, on the count of three, we're all going to say no. Okay, just so that way we know how. I want to make sure you know how to say no before we leave today. So one, two, three, no. Okay, so when your kids say, I want to be in karate, what do you say? No. <laughs> there you go. We brainwashed them early. <laughs> that was perfect timing. If I had a if I had a sucker or a blow pop or something, I'd give that to you. But that's good. But honestly, we gotta say no, right? To be able to say yes. In order to have a great relationship, Cheryl and I have to learn how to say no. And it's not just to our kids. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we say no to the church. Right? Because what's priority? Relationship with God. Relationship with spouse, relationship with kids. Church isn't in there. It's not in my top three. Are you hearing me? I'm a pastor after that. Are you hearing me? Now, this isn't your excuse to get out of doing something in the church. Okay, I had to be very careful saying that. Some of you have been waiting for me to slip up. Because you got to understand that the best gift that you can give your kids is your relationship with your husband or your wife. You didn't get that. The best gift you can give your kids is a healthy relationship between you and your spouse. Right? Because I want Virginia to marry somebody at least like me or better than me. Right? I mean, good luck finding somebody as good looking as me, but it can't happen. I know you're laughing with me, right? <laughs> but it's important to learn how to say no. So the last trade is this one. We have to learn, moms, you have to learn to trade in. Now, when we think of the word trade in or we hear the word trade in, we think of trading what? A vehicle in, right? Trade in. Y'all get that? Gonna trade something in. Usually you trade in your old junky Chevrolet to go get you a nice brand new Ford. Right? And I'm believing for all of you Chevrolet owners that the Spirit of God is going to rest upon you and you're going to rise up one day and you're going to trade in that old piece of junk for a nice brand new Ford. Right? And you know what happens when that happens? Life gets better. That's all right, I'm loud. But we think of trading in. We think of trading in something of lesser value for something of greater value, right? We want to we bump up. We're tired of it being broke down. We want to ride in something that ain't going to break down, right? By the way, I saw a Chevrolet thing the other day. Yesterday, we were riding through Lafayette. Ray Chevrolet has its own tow truck. I got a picture. Yeah, so go buy your car at Ray Chevrolet. Yeah. Don't listen to Doug. He's, he's still trying to cast that devil out of him. So the last trade-in is to trade 
The last trade is to trade in. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him, for he cares for you affectionately. Peter's talking about Jesus. Peter says you need to cast all your anxieties, all your cares, all your worries. You need to cast those things on him, right? You've got to learn how to give it to him. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately. You see, you were never intended to live life without God. Anytime you try, it breaks down. Amen? You were not intended that way. It was, you were not built that way. Your emotions can't handle it. Your physical body can't handle it. You cannot live without God. So stop trying. And learn how to start casting. Moms, you carry heavy loads. You really do. You really carry some heavy loads. Your, your job is 24-7, right? I mean, it never stops. Because you know how us men are. When the babies were young and they, they got up and they started crying, right? What did we do? We went to this deep coma, <laughs> right? We didn't hear nothing. I mean, she would kick you. <clears throat> can't believe you didn't hear that. I'm going, <laughs> I didn't hear it. But moms are constantly getting up. I always knew when to get up, okay? There's a point when you got to get up. When mom comes through the hallway and she goes, that's it. It's my cue to get up. Um, not for her, but for the kid's sake, right? But moms, you carry these heavy loads. You carry these heavy burdens. You've got these kids, these big responsibilities. You've got all these things going on. There's a lot of problems that arise, right? A lot of things that you can be worried about. Oh, my baby's not putting on any weight. We never worried about that at Tyler House, okay? Was, uh, I was like, oh, my baby's putting on too much weight. But anyway, so you got all these things to worry about, but you were never intended to carry them yourself. And husbands, let me let you in on something. It's my responsibility to come home or to get in connected with Cheryl and when I see her carrying those burdens, are you with me? Because, men, you know, stop acting like you don't, but you know when she's had enough. You walk in the house and you hear the pans hit the sink, you know she's had enough. <laughs> right? Or the cabinet, the way the cabinet closes, you know she's had enough. <clears throat> so there's times I got to come in and I got to help lift those burdens. But a lot of times I got to come in here and I going to say, hey, you need to take about 10 minutes. You need to go get ready to go home. But you weren't here today. I know I wasn't here. But you got to go. So, so put the dishes down. Go lock yourself in the bathroom. <laughs> flush every other minute so nobody questions anything. And spend some time with God and cast your cares upon him. Right? That's how you get his perspective. Are you seeing that? That's how you get his priorities. And you know what's true is that most times the problem gets so big right here, but when you go to God and you give it to him, it just strangely gets smaller, doesn't it? And it becomes manageable. And sometimes you get embarrassed. Look at me, I was crying over there. Right? So it's important to trade in. 
You need to trade your problems in for God's presence. Can I tell you, as a mom, you need to be in the presence of God. You need to be in the presence of God. And let me tell you how you get in the presence of God. You pray. You read your Bible. You listen to good music. You set the atmosphere in your house. Listen, there's nothing like a good godly woman to come home to when she's got the atmosphere of the house in order, right? When you walk in your house and you sense and feel and smell and taste the spirit of God in your house, you're like, booyah, baby, you got it right, <laughs> right? That's a whole lot better than coming home to bang, <laughs> right? It's funny, but it's important, isn't it? It's important for a mom to be in the presence of God. You know, when you're in the presence of God, you can get ahead of your kids. The presence of God will show you when your kids are about to do something stupid. And you can automatically say, don't go there. (laughs) We had our kids believing we knew everything. I told them. I said, I know everything. What do you mean, Daddy? Oh, me and Mama, we know everything. Well, how do you know everything? Can I tell you, there's been times I've caught my kids lying to me, and the Spirit of God said, no, they're lying. You know what happens when you don't get that under control at an early age? What happens? They become liars, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. If you don't correct them lying, they become liars. You need the presence and the power of God to do that. To love your kids the way they need to be loved. When they've blown it and they come in and they know they're going to get it. And the Holy Spirit says to you, give them grace. Oh, Lord, oh, I'm giving them wrath. No, give them grace. No, wrath, grace, wrath, grace. And they come in the house and they know they're going to get wrath, right? And they come in and in that perfect moment, God's Spirit talks to you. And you give them grace. And what does grace do? It makes them feel a whole lot worse than if they got their butt whooped. Right? And grace works. But without the spirit and the presence of God, you can't do that. We just constantly work out of the flesh, don't we? And then we, we lose it and we blow it and we scream at the kids and we, we kick the dog. I mean, you know, you know how it goes. Galatians 2.20 says that I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Moms, you've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you that live, but Christ lives in you. Listen to me. You don't have to be like your mom. Right? You don't have to be what your mama was. You know how it works. If you come from a home where everybody screams and everybody may be physical, then what is your tendency to do whenever things go chaos? Scream and get physical, right? For some of you, you had the privilege of coming from a home where people spoke quietly and they were full of grace. And so you just tend to be full of grace, almost too much grace. 
I didn't come from that home. I wish I would have. I didn't. But you don't have to be what your mama was. Are you hearing me? My goal and Shell's goal is that we raise our kids better than our parents raised them. And my hope is that Virginia, Ethan, and Anna raise their kids better than we did. Because there's some things in us that are constantly being broken and dealt with that God's pulling out of us still. And there's going to be some things in my kids that are going to need work. Are you hearing me? But I'm believing it's going to get better and better. And I believe if we live according to the power of God with his perspective, live according to his priorities and in his presence, we can do the best job we can do. Amen? Mom, you have the greatest job on the planet. You really do. And I know sometimes you can't see the reward. Right? You can't see the reward. I constantly, at times, have had to tell Cheryl, baby, you're doing a great job. Don't you feel like it's doing good? You're doing a great job. Look at our kids. And I'll go away and I'll pray, Lord, I pray you send somebody else to just encourage them. And somebody else can, or the principal is, man, your kids are great. Our teacher, oh, this one, she's so sweet. Moms, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Get God's perspective. Align yourself with his priorities and stay in his presence. Amen? I hope that encourages you this morning. Let me let you in on this last thing. God's not concerned about your abilities. He's concerned about your availability. You need to be available for God. Amen? Share is good.